Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. Hey, Darren, how are you doing? I'm good. It's been a while, Andrew. But, I, and... but how are you really, Darren? <laughs> well, that's a big question. I'm not sure we have time to get into it now because we've got two guests with us. We've got the wonderful Dr. Bernice Murphy. Hello, it's great to be back after a long week away. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Phil Bagnell. Um, Hello. So yes, so this week, as we promised last week, and sandwiching Halloween, this feels like a nice bit of a Halloween come down that we have here. We're going to be discussing The Heretic Exorcist 2, John Borman's 1977 sequel to the smash hit The Exorcist, which we talked about last week. So before we jump on in, had anybody here seen The Heretic before we agreed to do this for this podcast? Once, yes, but it was a very long time ago. We, we should, should mention say... we're actually eating on mic. Um, we, we may have provided breakfast for our guests. Just That's to be the clear. only reason I'm here now. <laughs> but, uh, so you'd seen it before, a long time ago. Yes, and I didn't remember much of it. And re-watching it, that was probably for good reason. Yeah, because it, it's an interesting film. I had not seen it before. Bernice, had you, had you seen it before? <laughs> no, I had tried to watch it about three times. It used to be on it was like a sci-fi channel or somewhere quite regularly. And I'd always get about 20 minutes in and go, no, this is rubbish. Life's too short. And uh, seeing the full thing did not change that opinion. I love that. I love that. When, when your scheduling budget can't get The Exorcist, maybe you can buy the film rights, mm-hmm. The Exorcist to The Heretic. It feels like it would be one of those movies on uh, digital where it's after film four and before the Sony film channel. Or maybe on the Sony film channel. Yeah, around the movie for men. Yeah, around the movie for men sort of yeah. level of like, uh, we have a movie channel. We have a budget that amounts to $1,000 a week to buy film rights. What can we get for that, baby? And The Exorcist to The Heretic is interesting. because They would probably pay you to show The Exorcist. <laughs> well, this is the... the in- okay, well, there are several interesting things about The Heretic. The most mm, obvious being the fact that... A lot of interesting things. Have you seen the credits? <laughs> I was thinking, this... So, it's over this stop, is bad it? yeah. <laughs> like, um, how did they um, how did they make a bad film with all of well, this talent having said that like the the jury is out on uh, John Borman like I, yeah, I, the, the tiger's I, tail and, I mean even yeah, Zardoz I Zardoz. have a soft spot for Zardoz <laughs> me but too it's, not yeah. it's one of those people who for every good one there's a bad one and the good ones are pretty good and the bad ones are abysmal mm. so I, I, I kind of feel where does that, this like, one fall on this, that scale I, <laughs> I feel like it's in a memorably bad along with along with Zardoz yeah yeah yeah. Zardoz is kind of fun it, yeah but like like it, it it is kind of fun it's it's bad in a sense that it, or, or, like it's, it's Sean Connery in a leather in a nappy in a in leather, leather red leather, leather nappy oh. where you can kind of laugh at us or, I think you have yeah. no choice yeah I think this is worse in a way because it's oh, yeah. following on from such a good film and it completely, it's so disrespectful and, mm. yeah, this and is, just kind of snide towards the first film. and, and It completely undermines it yeah. in a lot of ways. So at least Zardoz, terrible as it is, is a standalone product. Well, uh, give or take but, the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> L, L. Frank Baum, you yeah. know, uh, as uh, reputation uh, aside, but this is just... oh. 
It is. It is yes. worth. I'm gonna be making that noise a lot. <laughs> just a lot. It's the sound of the Our soul work. leaving the body a little bit. Um, but it is worth noting in terms of production of The Exorcist too, because Heretic was released the same year as Star Wars, a film that would change Hollywood, and a film whose sequel would kind of change the way that sequels were produced in Hollywood. Because like nowadays, the expectation with the sequel is that the budget is bigger. You bring a lot Irving of the original. Kirshner directs. <laughs> yeah. hmm. But you bring a lot Obligatory of obligatory Robocop reference. reference. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you, you bring a lot of the talent back. You scale upwards, you increase the budget in the hopes of getting a high, higher box office return. <laughs> the Heretic is an interesting film because it's a product of an earlier time. It's a time when Hollywood viewed sequels as really cheap, dirty, cynical cash-ins. Now, the, the Heretic man ended up costing more than The Exorcist, but not as originally planned. The original plan was to eke out a really cheap sequel. I think they planned the budget to be around $3 million. This is the bloody mindness of uh, the producer, Richard Lederer. That was exactly his idea. Yeah. He wanted... Basically, what he wanted was it would literally follow on from the events of the original film and just interview the people who were involved. So, and include you know. stock footage of the climax of the original film as well to save costs oh, don't on worry. budget. There is stock footage in this. <laughs> yeah. They like do the save uh, money in some areas. Yeah. Like, they didn't hire an editor. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've got the, well, lo- the locust wrangling budget and that just yeah, added all exactly, up. You know? yeah, but yeah. the editor famously quit halfway <laughs> through the true, film because yeah. they found it unmanageable. They had to draft in a replacement at the last minute, which probably explains why the film ended up the way it is. Tell. Yeah, yeah. But The Heretic was the product of a system that was doing again Jaws sequels um, around the same time or do you remember the Planet of the Apes sequels of the 70s oh, yeah. where the idea was that <laughs> you've, with, you've seen yeah, all of them I have seen all of them um, God bless you the, well I think Escape from Planet of the Apes some of them were interesting yeah they're all interesting they're all interesting <laughs> they're all a lot more too. watchable than this though yes I mean they're fun in a way that this is just yeah it's a surprise that Darren sees a movie and comes away from it finding it interesting. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like a skin. That's cold for Darren at this point, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, but like the idea was that with sequels back in the seventies and the sixties, what you do is you had a successful film and you would basically wring it like a cloth. You would cut mm. your budget on production. You cut actors. You cut directors. You cut writers. You cut anything that would drive the budget up. And what you would do is you would lure people back to the cinema with the promise of the same premise. And what you would do is, by cutting the budget, you hope to eke a little bit of money. And people figure out the sequel wasn't as good no, as the original film. No, switch. Yeah, no, hmm. but that's it. Like, the, people figure out the sequel wasn't as good as the original. So what you do is then you do another sequel with an even lower budget. And, like, it's people who hadn't figured out the sequels were crap or go to that one. And then you'd be like, okay, cut the budget even more and just ring a little bit more. So, like, if you look at films like Jaws, the Jaws franchise, right? Which has two entries on the bottom 100, Jaws 3 and Jaws The Revenge. It follows a similar pattern where... Each of the movies earns like less than half of the one before it. And you can tell that the studio is just waiting for a point at which it becomes completely unviable. Like to just throw a million dollars at the screen and earn six million dollars back in return off what was, you know, a record smashing box office hit. And The Heretic is a product of that system. Because Borman, it's directed by John Borman because Blatty didn't want to come back. Friedkin didn't want to come back. Uh, Borman had been one of the candidates to direct the original Exorcist. Yes, he was. And his response to that offer surely should have been a signal that he shouldn't have been given this one. He found the original idea and the script repulsive. Yes. The idea of the possession of this young girl and so on. If you found it repulsive, then why did they ask him for the second one? Anyway... Por qué? Por qué? <laughs> it's the question that people ask a lot while watching the film. But that's it. Like Borman's, uh, in his autobiography, Adventures of a Suburban, Suburban Boy, he wrote about working on The Heretic. Millions of people had enjoyed watching a child being tortured in The Exorcist. The Heretic would be the antidote. A film about goodness rather than evil. 
I should have known better. Mm, Kubrick yes. told me that the only way to do a sequel to The Exorcist was to give them even more gore and horror than before. No one is interested in goodness. So Sadly, that's proven true. Well, I mean, here's the question, though. I mean, I don't think the response to The Heretic is down to it rejecting the ethos of The Exorcist. I think no. it's down to it just being a bad film. Yeah. yeah. Pearly um, acted, pearly written, pearly conceived of, and with no respect whatsoever for the film that went before. Yeah. So yeah. it's a travesty. Yeah. Of a travesty. Mm. It's the Star Wars holiday special of Exorcist. <laughs> Except this one got a theatrical release. And uh, it, like, it explains things about the um, kind of... It adds to the sort of lore of the Exorcist in ways that are um, unsatisfying. And, and that... And that I, th- I think we spoke, uh, uh, we kind of teased it a little bit, that it takes away the, the mystery, the, and the, power. the enigmatic quality, the power. Yeah, the kind of like confusion of this world in, in, in crisis that you have in The Exorcist, where you say, well, here's what was happening. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> we have it all it, yeah. wrapped up in a little bow now, so it's not scary, <laughs> and it's a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> remember <laughs> remember that, that, that stuff that happened off camera in the first film that was really uncomfortable for happening off camera? What if we just show you that happening? Like, what if we just put that on screen? That'll be scary, right? Because um, there is, it's it's very much, it reminds me a lot of, and it's funny you should mention the holiday special, with Star Wars, with The Phantom Menace, where you have the midichlorians yeah. and stuff like oh, that. Dear. Where it's like... No one asked for that. Yeah, that's it. Like, nobody really cares about the Force or needs the Force explained to them. Nobody needs the possession and the exorcist kind of explained to them either, but the film does that. And as well, that the, the exorcist comes to these um, topics with a c- certain amount of kind of... Uh, skepticism and doubt whereas the 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 um uh, the uh, character of uh, Lamont, Lamont comes, yeah. comes from, from completely the 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 other direction yeah. he is is kind of like All right, he's, um, a, he's a, an expert exorcist he's even when your exorcist has an exorcism problem you get this guy you get this guy um. <laughs> so automatically you're robbing the the possibility of some of a more of an arc that you would yeah. associate from the original film like he's not going to learn to uh embrace these mysteries because he already has yeah there's there's also really props <laughs> and, and really bad takes oh yeah this, uh, like, like, like no just do that again. it's staggeringly poorly made <laughs> it, it yeah. really is um i rewatched this the other night and i just thought Considering how much money was thrown at it and the talent they had, this really, really could have tried harder. Well, everybody's kind of dead in the eyes. Like <laughs> Richard Burton. Yeah. With the exception of Pearl Linda Blair, who, and I'm not going to cast Jane on a teenager's performance. No. Yeah. It's not her fault the film's terrible, but her character is incredibly poorly served. Uh, but, like, Burton is just... It's as terms of bad priest performance in the seventies. It's way up there with uh, Rod Steiger in the Amityville Horror, which is <laughs> one of the most Father Frank Mancuso, one of the most ineffectual Catholic priests in American horror. And Burton is actually worse, I think, as well, because at least Steiger's performance is entertaining because it's so bad. Like the rest of this film, I think it commits the cardinal sin of a bad film, which is that it's incredibly tedious to yes. watch. It's not. It's not. I did, I know maybe you, there's bits in it you can that are risable that are kind of unintentionally funny, but. Mm. I just find it incredibly boring. Yeah. There but, are long but exorcism should through. not be boring. Uh, indeed well, not. I would warrant. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the, that's <laughs> the thing. Throw that idea out there. Anybody else want to disagree with that? <laughs> you know. Do we have well, any strong proponents is, of the exorcist being is boring? Is that a problem? Paul Trader, evidently. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 
I would imagine that that is a problem of casting, though, rather than uh, Richard Burton's problem. Because I, from from what Richard Burton I've seen, that's kind of his uh, mode. (laughs) What you you mean is kind of highly spoken proto Anthony Hopkins, where you are very highly strong and 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 at the same time completely sincere. And the problem is, so curiously underplayed. He's too old. The role of Lamont was supposed to be a younger actor. It's John Voight was the original yeah. choice. They also looked at like Christopher Walken and Jack Nicholson, but and he has this Voight shoe, walked. shoe polish, um, uh, black oh, hair. hair. Yeah, he's <laughs> too old. It's like this thing we're talking about. When we talked about once upon a time in Hollywood of like trying to force stars who are getting on a bit into these roles that really don't suit them. And this is a clear example of that. Burton was still. A name, but he wasn't the right one for this. They needed somebody younger. Well, if you contrast it with someone like another actor, you know, sort of golden age actor, maybe slightly earlier, Gregory Peck mm. in The Omen, that really works. That kind of gravitas and the history of him being Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck is the father of the, you know, or the stepfather of the Antichrist. Spoiler, Antichrist. America's first dad. Yeah, he really works in that role. But like per Burton, just he he actually he's he's always sort of ever so slightly sweating. Yeah, he looks like a guy that is just the whole time going, "When can I have my tea break?" You know, exactly. it's just it's he doesn't Alimony. look like he's happy to be there. He plays it so kind of wide eyed and shocked. It's clearly meant to be a role for somebody who's younger and perhaps a bit less experienced in all of these goings on. Whereas he's just it doesn't work. He, re, he comes across as too sincere, and there's just some moments where he's so into it. And yet the rest of the film is flailing so badly around him that you just can't help but pity the guy. But even even the dead even the deadpan delivery like leads to really weird exchanges. Like Louise Fletcher saying, "Don't you ever need a woman, father?" <laughs> and Burton responds, "Yes." Like, Couldn't we do something with that? I do. What of it? Yes, I do. It's funny you mention um, uh, Anthony Hopkins because uh, there's an Anthony Hopkins Richard Burton right. oh. uh, story it's where they were they were both from the same Port Talbot. Where and he went to uh, uh, Richard Burton's house and and asked, can, um, "Can I can I have a, an autograph?" <laughs> and and but where 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 he sat him down and he said, where, where, where do you work? And, um, and he worked at the shoe shop. He's like, I used to work at that shoe shop as well. Ooh. I was terrible. <laughs> um, I was entirely useless. Um, and and that uh, Anthony Hopkins, from that moment on, he thought, well, if, if, um, if Richard Burton can be entirely useless at the, at the sh- uh, shoe shop, maybe, maybe there is hope for me yet. Because the idea of Richard Burton being uh, entirely useless at anything, suddenly he had this kind of basis for like well, while 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 I while I don't have any kind of self confidence or um, ego at the moment, this is Richard Burton who is at one point at the same. So yeah, he did. Anthony Hopkins has really kind of. He did take on that sort of... Indeed, although he might have taken it too far because I think as Darren's about to point out, he too made an exorcism movie. The yes, Right. The Right, yes, which was not a good one as I recall. I believe not. I haven't seen it, but I the review. It's oh, right. it's a very uninteresting film. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. It's one of those films that I think I've seen, but I can't remember. I think as well, there's a, and I don't mean to psych off, I think there's a young Irish actor in it. Colin yeah. Dunhu. It kind of, should have been a big break for him, but he was yes. just in really bad material. Yeah. 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 That's the way it goes sometimes. Like you say, could have been something, but is an exorcist film with Anthony Hopkins. I love Anthony Hopkins, but it's just, uh, it sounded, it was a big release and then all of a sudden 
Yeah, it's bound to be watered down and just largely. I'd actually have a moratorium on exorcist films for about twenty years. I think that's a good idea. Let yeah. some, tr- you know, let some tropes regain mm. some, uh, some get some more flesh on the bones. All right, then. So <laughs> yeah, when they look back at this, like it's the last recorded exorcism movie in twenty years, <laughs> and it's based on a real movie. <laughs> Where, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I guess then three questions to ask about Exorcist: The Heretic. Um, so, Bernice, do you think that Exorcist: The Heretic belongs on a list of the one hundred worst movies ever made? It certainly doesn't not belong on it. Um, yeah, no, I think I think it earns its place. Um, as I said, I, th- I think it commits the cardinal sin of a bad film, which is that it's it's really boring. Yeah. Um, it's not even an entertaining bad film for me, and it's just it's. I think particularly in terms of its relationship with its predecessor, that alone qualifies it. I think. Yeah, because I mean, I, re- I remember watching it and it being. I remember watching it because I watched it last night. But I was watching it <laughs> and it was um, it was like the elements in this film are bonkers. How is the film this boring while it contains all of these things that are so awful? I find it was boring. I like. I found it interesting because it was so, 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 so bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, but I mean, there are they're, long they're, passages of characters traveling. I could go. And stuff. I could go on and on about like all of the kind of bonkers elements to it, and we will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, but yeah, the um, it definitely belongs in the bottom one hundred. Um. The way it um, deals with some um, things, some maybe similar things to the to the to the first movie, but in completely different and very unsatisfying and just wrong ways. Like the for 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 example, one one of the kind of shocking um, things about the first movie is the. Um, not not the sexualization of 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 the young girl but the 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 her giving giving voice to all of these things that that like 12 year old um girls just shouldn't say yeah or that or, or, sorry or, or not that, 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 that you're yeah 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 that, and and that being the, this kind of like um uh, the panic yeah that that can set in 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 a, in in a, a kind of a, yeah. yeah whereas like the um there, there's a sort of, I mean, I may be mistaken, but I feel like there's just a kind of a creepy sexualization of, in this of Linda Blair oh, in, in yeah, this film that has yeah. no sort of kind of um, uh, shocking uh, kind of uh, uh, quality to it or, or any sort of interesting sort of intention. Outside ar- the fact ar- that like Linda Blair is now somebody we can sexually objectify because yeah. she is. Is she though? Because she was born in fifty nine. Oh, okay. This movie came out in 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 seventy seven. So I, I I'm wondering She's was eight. she seventeen yeah. when when it was being produced or was yeah. she eighteen? Keep in mind, I was not adv- I was more putting myself in the movie's perspective and not advocating for right, it to be right, absolutely right. clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the need to draw a line under that. Yeah, but, but, but perspective it, it, is it's, that, it's, you know. it's like they were counting the days until <laughs> yeah. they could yeah. um, like well, reasonably uh, sexualize yeah. her in, in, in a movie. There's a whole really creepy kind of condescending look how she's grown type thing about it. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really, it's well yeah. dodgy. Well, I mean, it, it was, it was when we not, had... Not in an interesting way. No, it's just a bit sleazy and, and yeah. 
I think it wasn't, yeah, we, and this is something that's, yeah, we've talked about before. I think we talked about the litter uh, with Stacey. There was this thing about, like, the press having little calendars for celebrities, for young women, until they turn 18, at which oh. point you can just sort of, like, switch the coverage and be openly sort of leering and voyeuristic and kind of creepy. And right. there is an element well, of that. There's that treatment. weird thing with, like, um, Hermione from... Um, Emma, yes, Emma Watson. Uh, Emma Watson, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and the, the, yes, it's... she like immediately jumps onto the, like the FHM one hundred kind of sexiest women in in the yeah yeah. Um, but it's yeah, sorry, move on. But yeah, that, that's really odd. I think you know, I maybe give the film a bit more credit than some of the people here. It's still an awful film, though, and I think. But I think what it does in opposition to The Exorcist is ill judged and terribly executed i think it's conceptually interesting but the film has no idea how to do what it's trying to do be what i kind of get at but we'll talk about it in the sports zone phil what about yourself do you think this belongs on a list of the 100 worst films ever made i don't think i'd put it there but it's got to be knocking on the door surely um well it's only at 94 at the moment actually it's been slowly rising falling whatever the get, moving, <laughs> away. <laughs> moving away from moving that. away okay. it's going drifting to it's, yeah. it's going to escape oh no well, yeah. there was a while where I was worried that we were was, late I was we worried I was worried that we wouldn't have lots of Richard I, I wanted to kind of like spend spend a good half hour this morning practicing I've been working on my Max von Sydow all morning and James Earl Jones, a lot of good impressionable sort of subjects here for this movie, I think. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing where it's... It, 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 I, I have a lot of the same complaints. It's really poorly made. It's astonishingly terribly acted considering the people involved. Um, but I think, I don't find it as boring as some people might. Although there are certain stretches where you just think, well, let's get to the point, shall we? But I think... I don't know. I could have spent more time with Ecumenical Ed. Indeed. <laughs> Ecumen- it's the end thing to presuming it from within a lie. Ecumenical Ed. Um, I think, I think that conceptually there's enough interesting ideas and enough bonkers moments in it to keep it off the list. But it's not a lot. I, I just remember what, at one point I had to do a double take. I, I, is that Paul Henry? How the hell did they get Paul Henry? I was like, okay. And there were so just enough. Any Omari Coney. I know. Like, the score. <laughs> there were just, but there one were of just the many, enough, many differences between that and the original film. But there were just is... enough moments like that just to keep me, I won't say on side, but enough for me to say that's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, because I mean, it is. For what that's worth. It is worth noting that, like, this is, again, one of the reasons that we were so interested to do this, we mentioned this last week, is that this is the only film at the moment that has the original film and sequel on the top and the bottom, because Jaws dropped off the 250, Donnie Darko dropped off the 250. It's kind of interesting to go from one of the best movies of all time to one of the worst movies of all time. And um, both, though, I think we need to uh, say both those titles, allegedly. Okay, I'm, I'm but you know, I, 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 I know, but you know, in terms of films that, okay, films that are considered among the best and films that are considered among the worst, it's kind of interesting to have that I, I'm just doing this for your benefit, Darren. You're the one who always has to qualify certain that, things. That's fair. Um, and Bernice, would this be on, I know you only just like sat through all of it recently, but would this be on your own list of like the worst 100 films that you have ever seen? I think that it's, for me, it was so kind of forgettably bad. I think I'd probably forget to put it on it. Um okay. Yeah, in terms of ill-advised sequ- horror sequels, absolutely, it's up there. Yeah, so I mean, I would, 
Yeah, probably one, probably in the top 150. There's a lot of bad horror films out there. Now. There are. Yeah. <laughs> You've probably watched a few for this. A lot of bad horror sequels. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be talking about that and what we're talking about next week on the podcast. But, Phil. Uh, my own worst? Um, maybe. Um, I'd have to see what else would be above it. I mean, this is only my second appearance on a bottom 100 episode. So, so is it better or worse than Avengers? Oh, it's not as bad as the Avengers. Very little is, it, is it more or less fun than Avengers? It's... Is the Avengers fun? I, I found the Avengers kind of fun. fun. There are weaponized bumblebees. Okay, it's less fun. There's like it's not Ray, quite as bad, but it is a bit it's less like fun. Rafe finds trying to be sexual with a boot. I actually really enjoyed that, that yeah. film. Yeah. It's yeah. daft. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so welcome it's to the winter well. of your discontent. <laughs> Just never say it's welcome. Uh, hang on. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sean, Sean, Sean Connery has made an appearance. Huh? Yeah. Oh, Sean, what are you doing here? But... Are we, are we going to have, are we going to have a, are we going to have an impression off oh, you? No, no, no. Um, we, we we must stop. Although so, I, no, we I, must I, not. I would, yeah, I would say this movie is utterly horrible and fascinating. Um, <laughs> um, no, where, that was that was kind of the two mixed together, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Phil, would this be on? <laughs> sorry, the worst one hundred outright films you've ever seen. Probably, if I went back through them all. Um, yeah, let's jam it in there. Some giggles, at least. And Andrew, I know that you've only just seen this last month. But well, yeah. I mean, I put it on... I, I would say it should be on the bottom 100 because of how bad it is. And then on my bottom 100, because it's this is uh, conceivably a list of movies that I get You're to on a desert island with me somewhere. to hell. <laughs> I get to game the system and bring movies that I could watch that you kind of enjoy yeah, that yeah, you have yeah. a certain amount of or fun did. with yeah. exactly okay <laughs> so but yeah, that not, won't not get thrown around. out when I'm going into hell it's yeah. like you can't bring a good movie yeah. yeah like contraband you're yeah, going yeah, through and they're exactly. like no this this is possibly a bad movie yeah um, yeah yeah so yeah I trying take, to get the Shawshank I, Redemption I take this with me to hell yeah <laughs> You drag it to hell. Um, We're going to drag it. (laughs) We are going to drag it a lot. And then final question, uh, Bernice, if listeners (laughs) listeners have not watched Heretic Exorcist 2, would you recommend that they pause the podcast, run out, watch the movie and come back and listen to the rest of the discussion? In all honesty, I can't. I spent all of four euros to stream to rent this film. Me too. You can't you can't fucking buy it anywhere because clearly people are like, well, we're not. It was, or it was thirty five quid for a DVD. <laughs> you um, can buy it for nine ninety nine. I, I felt that four euros was the the least pearly spent, or the worst, the most pearly spent four euros I've had all year. Um, so no, I can't. And that's I the price of an average donut in Dublin City. Even, yeah. uh, you know, we'll talk later on. I with a bit of charity towards the film, I give it credit for not just being a cookie cutter. Let's do The Exorcist again, but she's a bit older. I mean, it's trying to do something different with the material, but unfortunately what it's trying to do that's a bit different with the material just works on no conceivable level. No, it's I can't recommend it. It's, I just think it's... I, I don't, I'm sure even Linda Blair and anyone else who's still alive who was involved in the making of the film were like, no... Yeah, no, it's it's really great watching interviews. Linda would with agree Linda. with me. Yeah. You know? Lin- Linda Blair's perspective is the script that she signed on for was not the movie that ended up being made, which is a, one of those great deflections or tactics for. Uh... It's very gracious of her to admit that the movie happened. <laughs> Just said, oh. It's yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the no. only exit sequel I made was Repossessed. Um, <laughs> 
which is arguably a better film. And Phil, would you recommend that people watch this? Does no, it have a so bad it's good appeal? I don't think so. I mean, I laughed at it, goodness knows. And for the record, I picked up the DVD for two fifty in a second-hand shop uh, just last week. <laughs> ah, Still overpriced. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. It's going right back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say... Um, <laughs> oh, dear. I got this movie. And it's not her... Yeah. Do you want to try and like sell it again? Yeah. Yeah. Again and again and again. It's, yeah, um, it's, they do the same that they do with sequels, where they try try releasing it now for one fifty. Yeah, <laughs> just if Phil will buy it again. Um, I think um, like it, this is for people who also feel a need to watch Exodus the beginning and Dominion prequel to Exodus. If you're completionist, basically, fine, go ahead. But other than that, no, there is nobody to whom this should appeal. Though the first season of the TV show is actually really good. Really? And interacts with the exorcist. I don't want to say too much about it in some very interesting ways. So I've, not all supplemental exorcist material is terrible. And I've heard um, that Legion... The like show is actually yeah. really good. And, and three the, is pretty good. I really like yeah, I've heard Legion, the sequences. new cut, is supposed to be pretty great. Yeah. Ooh. That's coming from Shout Factory on Blu-ray, actually. Um, actually, again, I feel, really, I feel kind of guilty and shamed by Bernice and by Phil because I actually bought the Shout Factory Blu-ray edition of Exorcist to The Heretic because I had planned to watch both the original theatrical cut of the film, which runs one hour and 58 minutes, and the director's cut, which was the only one that was available on VHS for about 15 years, which actually runs a good 20 minutes shorter. Mm. Oh. Um, so even he was sick of it. He was like, Jesus. <laughs> only, end quickly. He only says, the flames. <laughs> Once. <laughs> well, this is the thing where apparently Borman, like this is so, the situation got so bad that like Blatty describes going to the cinema to see this movie and being the first person in the cinema to start laughing uncontrollably. Um, <laughs> I did that. I did, that. Yeah. Yeah. There are various uh, different accounts from actually Friedkin himself. Initially, he claimed that he hadn't seen it. Then, years later, I think Phil knows this one, he came out and he said that while he was editing, was it Sorcerer? No, it wouldn't have been Sorcerer. It would have been after Sorcerer. It would have been uh, To Live and Die in LA, I think. Would have been that late. But while he was editing To Live and Die in LA... No, no uh, Sorcerer was before that. Yeah. Um, but while he was editing one of his films, they mentioned, oh, by the way, I've got Exodus 2 in the editing bay. Do you want to come down and have a look at it? Freakin' <laughs> <laughs> was like, sure, I'm not doing anything. Let's go down. Apparently, it was the worst thing that... Friedkin has ever seen. Well, his exact phrase was the worst piece of <laughs> I've ever seen. He's also described it as a, a <laughs> disgrace and a film that was made by a demented mind. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's sort of like, that's the reaction. There were stories of people throwing stuff at the screen during screenings. Oh, so room style. That, that's it. Yeah. People would like throw, I don't know what they would throw. Crucifixes. Presumably. Possibly crucifixes. Yeah. But they would just throw them at the screen while it was. Silencio. <laughs> <laughs> but even things like, um, but what prompted that was it prompted Borman while the film was in release to edit it and to cut 20 minutes from it. Like, Borman reacted so strongly to the audience's rejection of it that his, like, he was apparently releasing cuts of it to individual cinemas to see what played and what didn't play in a desperate effort to kind of fix it, which is fascinating. And, like, it's amazing that, like, most directors' cuts are about, like, adding material to a film because it's like, I didn't get to fully realize my vision. So, like, I think we, we discussed Midsummer um, last week where Midsummer now has, like, an even longer mm -hmm. director's cut which is available on iTunes where it's, like, is it's it three 20, and a half? 25 yeah. minutes. 
Yeah, so it's what, about three hours, yeah. three and a half hours, uh, almost, which is a long time. But, like, I love that Borman's, like, the only way that I can realize my true vision of the heretic is to make less of it. Make it smaller. Make it shorter. Make it so it ends quicker, which is absolutely fascinating. When did they cut it? Was it fl- the many, many, many flying sequences? <laughs> the <laughs> locuses. Not, uh, um, I don't know what he cut out. Do you happen to know? I don't know. It means if they weren't trimmed up a bit. Apparently though. he added gore. So tedious. He added lots of gore to the cut. Anything that they spent no money on. (laughs) Like the stock footage. (laughs) That's trimmed. That's just gone. Um, The sort of like Lion King style circle of life travel over the African prairies. Um, Couldn't it be entirely? He's pointless. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, he seems like he's there primarily because Borman had worked with him on Deliverance. Yeah, that's Um, it. Would I recommend it? Yes. Yeah. I, I, would. I was thinking about making a bad taste joke about <laughs> Ned Beatty, but you go. No. Um, yeah. It's only the I, second I would, time Ned Beatty I got would, screwed. And I, would, I would kind <laughs> of uh, recommend people watch it for some of the reasons I've given already. Um, and for some of the reasons that other people have given. For for example, Exorcist Completionists. Um, I made a mistake watching this. Thinking that this, um, I, I, actually, this is the second week in a row where I've made a big kind of an actor mistake because in, in The Exorcist, before I saw it, you thought it was Gregory I, Peck. I thought it was going to be Gregory Peck, and it wasn't. He was in, in, in The Omen. Watching this throughout the whole movie, I had to check the credits at the end. I thought that this was Kathleen Turner and that it worked as a pre- <laughs> it worked as a prequel to Baby Genius. <laughs> um, Louise Fletcher. Yeah, um. for any for any um uh, uh Baby Genius com- completers. Uh but no. <laughs> neither of those things are true. Thank but uh, but if you want to imagine It actually does make if, sense in terms of Baby Genius shared universe. If you want universe. to kind of squint yeah, and, and think like... of this kind of baby chamber and it's not Louise Fletcher, <laughs> yeah. it's Kathleen Turner are that they've recast yeah, between Louise films. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you can watch it for that very specific reason. Um, so in short, don't. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't recommend this. I was quite looking forward to this because I like a good bad movie, and I like. I was like Richard Burton, Exorcist sequel, John Borman, uh, John Borman, New Age spirituality. How could this be? And it's like it's just Tim Jones. Yeah, in in wearing <laughs> what he's wearing. Yeah, wearing what he's wearing in the uh, film as well. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> I think part of the reason too why it really doesn't work is that The Exorcist, no, part one. Was that part one? Is that what we're calling it now? The like Exorcist, the, the good yeah. one, um, is is a profoundly serious film and a yeah. very very sincere film. Mm. And it's a film that has whether you what you may or may not necessarily agree agree with its worldview, but it has a definite worldview. It has a philosophical viewpoint on the world. It is something to say. This film thinks it is something to say. It thinks it has a philosophical word point. It draws in lots of apparently quite trendy uh, late 70s Catholic theology that was very big at the time. But it's, it does it in a way that's not sincere, that's mm. entirely pompous and pretentious and, and boring. I agree with that. You know, yeah. and it's it's just I think it's also quite a quite a cynical film. I just it's essential. I don't think it works on any level. But it was I born almost, of cynicism. This is what we're yeah. saying. It was intended to be a quick knockout sequel, and the fact that it's just become this kind of more sprawling mess, I think, is probably the most interesting thing about it. It's certainly I, more interesting than some of this new wave Catholic te- uh, theology that was in vogue at the time. Cause, um, yeah, because I'm gonna give that like I. I'd give Borman a bit more credit than that. I think the film's bad. I don't recommend watching it, to be absolutely clear. I don't even think it's particularly interesting to use that Darren code that we do. But I think 
I give Borman the benefit of the doubt in assuming that he was serious about what he's doing because a lot of the stuff that he's talking about here in the well, New Age is... He just doesn't accomplish it. Yeah, I, no, I, no, he doesn't accomplish it at all but I do think that he's sincere in doing it because I mean, I think it's of a piece with his work like say but Excalibur the, the, the or The way he like doesn't Nardos accomplish or, it or maybe, or, maybe betrays some of the insincerity. Yeah. Or, or maybe that's in the in the performances. Yeah. Because, because for example in, in the first movie Karas is a... Um, a, a character whose kind of uh, faith in his uh, uh, beliefs and in the world and in goodness is has been um, almost uh, defeated. But w- I feel like we still get the sense that there is a good person there. Yeah. Whereas Lamont is this person who is ostensibly... Um, uh, the only one kind of fighting Satan and evil, but there never get the sense at any point in the movie that he's a good person. That anything matters to him in in any real sense. I mean, at one point he deliberately invokes the demon to get an answer that he needs, which is very much not what makes sense in terms of his character or the film. No, but 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 that 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 it was kind of that his 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 end is so kind of Im, Im, important to him that 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 he would go to that means. Yeah. But it, but what, what you you don't you don't get the sense of him cuz this is supposed to be like a celebration of goodness. Yeah. Um but you you do you, you don't find any goodness. No. <laughs> um in, But what in, about that in, one lotus in, except except people talking lotus, about sorry. goodness. Yeah. Like, a lot of talking. Yeah, lot yeah. Of talk, lot of, unless we forget, film is a visual medium. Show us, don't tell us. Well, it also tries to show us a good locust. locust. It tries to show us a lot of things, and some of them really should not have been put on screen. They, they try as well, I think, to, to replay some of the you know science for, science and versus religion stuff from the first film. Or, or, but I think, crucially, in the first film, it's not science versus religion. It's the two of them kind of working in parallel yeah. in quite an interesting way. But here you've got really condescending lines where... You know, the male, main female character has a really vaguely specified job where she seems to be working with both deaf children, children with this, like... What is things, yeah. she first meet her and she's, she's fixing hearing aids, yeah. but then she's also working ch- with children who have behavioral Autism. problems and intellectual uh, 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 challenges. Yeah. And you're kind of going, first of all, what is her doctorate in? Because she seems to do it all. <laughs> also, she's got a really weird hexagonal office, which I'm yeah. sure. Oh, it's, it's like... A lot of hexagons. It's a beehive. Or is it a locust and hive? And there's, oh, <laughs> there's so much in that office and you're like, what the hell but there's this a line in it where, there's a line in it where um, Lamont says to her um, don't talk to me about science you're better than that and he says this to an actual scientist <laughs> and you're just going oh for you know pardon my language would a scientician <laughs> say that come on it, it's it just does. it's so half-assed and crude and terrible and it's got that they um, also have this in the 70s you know like uh, in the fury sorry um they have this scene where they have people with alpha waves sort of generators yeah. oh when machines. they're about to enter the matrix it's, yeah. The, yeah. But it's a really cool I scene think you mean the, inception it's a really cool scene in um at the palms the fury a, a year later there's really good stuff about that but the whole stuff about the machine is just it's, it's so, so boring as well. and so, lazy yeah. and it's just a shortcut to everything yeah and it's, it's so like dull. I have interest, interesting, interesting conversation. Now let's take out this big device. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to look into it. And, and just yeah. have the music pulse like, and like have it flash at the screen. Yeah. Do you think one minute's long enough uh, there? You know, do you think it's one like, minute works, John? No, two, pulls, three. Pulls open the drawer and says, I'm going to pull out this device now. Yeah. Here is this thing. It's in the movie. Oh, <laughs> um, a literal deus ex machina. <laughs> 
Oh. It's in the movie. All right, I think we've exhausted all we can talk about before we get into the spoiler zone. So listeners, please join us on their side of the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone! So, Phil or Bernice or whoever wants to jump on this particular grenade... <laughs> What is Exorcist 2, The Heretic, about for you? Cynical Hollywood filmmaking at its finest. I We've discussed this already, but it's a cheap knockout. Um, despite efforts to make it not be not seem so cheap, it just failed. Utterly, utterly failed. It's so... I, I mean, you'd think that something with... It had a $12 million budget. Actually, no, it ballooned to 14 by the yeah. end, due to delays and whatever else. You'd think it could look better than it does. Well, I mean, it's worth noting that, like, the reason... one of, There are several reasons why it costs so much. Um, in the middle of it, um, John Borman got fever and almost died. Which San, shut Joaquin, down the, San Joaquin Valley, Valley fever, fever, I believe. Yeah. And I also believe Louise Fletcher and Kitty Wynn came down with ill as well. Yeah. And apparently, like, there were rewrites on the script. At one stage, the ghostwriter on the script, who is his frequent collaborator... Pa- <laughs> ghostwriter. Not literally a ghost, shall we point out. It was a regular collaborator of his, Ross Paul Pallenberg, yeah. uh, did work on who some came other in, scripts. Yeah, and he also apparently stepped in to direct as well. Although, I do like... Now I'm imagining ghostwriter as Nicolas Cage with a flaming skull and a typewriter. Um, <laughs> but we do, like... Apparently that happened during production. When they brought in locusts, they shipped over 2,500 locusts from Europe. They died at the rate of 100 <laughs> a day. any locust food. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was more the climate, apparently, was the issue as well. So they were dying, and so they had to replenish those. That's part of where the cost went as well. The, um... I imagine being a locust and giving your life for this film. <laughs> yeah. just... What a way to go. You know, yeah. it would just feel even more cruel. In our dying regard. for your art. It's like... Mom, can I watch that movie Dad's in? No, never. Um, but it's also even things like the um, the fact that, like, the real Exorcist, the real Exorcist, the original Exorcist, the re- I like the real Exorcist of L.A. is basically, <laughs> sounds like a really great TV show. But the original Exorcist film was shot using primarily, like, real-life locations. So the, the famous Georgetown Steps. Is this the segment where we pitch television shows? <laughs> um, so the, the real Exorcist? <laughs> What about the the good locust? <laughs> <laughs> this fall on NBC, yeah. the good locust. It's like with, the good wife, the good doctor, as Grandpa, um, Grandpa Kakuma. Yeah, is yeah is the like Star Trek sort of like opening monologue just that conversation with James Earl Jones saying sometimes you have to I beat think so. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't mind. That. I I I I I was thinking like when there was the whole kind of um, uh, scene with the. With the spikes and a, a weird kind of James Earl Jones wearing all of this kind of tribal tribal um, outfit, but then when when he falls on the floor and it's actually this kind of like I was like oh okay there there is some uh, dignity to this, this portrayal this, of Africa uh, yeah. yeah yeah I can see I can see now maybe why James Earl Jones is like I'm yeah creating. okay how much money afford <laughs> <laughs> this. Um, there's kind of a moment where I parked up for a bit and thought precisely that, that 
that they were perhaps treating the the uh, the the lower about of Africa like they they I was thinking are they ever going to name the bloody country this is and then they finally go it's Ethiopia and mm. rock churches and you and in a moment where I thought this is quite potentially quite interesting they're talking about like Christianity in sort of a non-Western context and, Coptic, and they might be yeah. giving a, you know a sort of a, a really mm. interesting sort of a, even the sequence where a, the mod goes to mass a story and that doesn't yeah. usually yeah. get told yeah. but then it's just all you know like, there's that bit where he there's that bit where he does go see to see Kukumo and he's in this house of his and he has to cross this row of spikes to get to him but how on earth, like you were talking about how it suddenly cuts, he falls on the spikes and then suddenly he's flat on the, on a smooth floor and he's, and suddenly you hear James Blair's voice, can I help you? And how did he arrive, how did he go from that mud house to that lab? There's no connect. It's, he flew. Be- it's because well, that much we know for sure. He definitely flew. Yeah. Everybody flies in this damn thing. Well, it's I, 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 kind of a psychotic episode. But, but, he's having a a, a post flash break from reality. He's just been told take a few weeks off work. Um, and uh, but but I love it, the way you make it sound like it's a Tom Cruise exorcist movie. He's an exorcist. Pretty good exorcist. <laughs> until one day he has a crisis of faith. But. Um, it, it it reminded me about um, how Ethiopia is um, uh, seven seven uh, seven and a seven and a bit almost eight years behind um, uh, every um, country with the um, uh, Gregorian calendar. They still use oh. the the Julian calendar. It's oh. it's um, last month on September eleventh. Uh, was the start of 2012 in uh, in Ethiopia? Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, so when 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 you're looking at the movie, thinking kind of like does 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 this look a bit backwards? It's just because it's seven years uh, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still it, in the sixties. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's technically <laughs> or, sorry, only, early seventies. It's technically only like four hundred ninety three years out of date. Um, right. This portrayal of Africa, but I mean, like this kind of gets at some of the stuff I found interesting conceptually but mm. absolutely horrific in execution about the film, which is that, like, now the original film is very much, it's this very staunch kind of conservative, like, you know, liberal values are possibly eroding, like, American society and stuff like that. And so, as Phil pointed out, Borman hated The Exorcist, and then he was brought on to do the sequel. And there's something interesting conceptually about a sequel that is like so committed to being the anti-exorcist that it literally has its like central priest trip balls in like the first half. No, cause it, cause it is. Cause like after he puts on the device, which is this blinking light thing, this new age therapy sort of thing. And you're right. The hexagonal office is this sort of very new age sort of fabrication sort of thing. And again, like even technically I admire moving a camera through that space without getting caught in reflections. But like, even when he comes out I of the think device, if they, did, they wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Do you want to do another take? Nah, we got it. Um, but even things like, for example, that the fact that it's referred to as a post flash when he sees the fire, or when he imagines the fire in the basement, like it's very much playing with this idea of like acid trips and so, counterculture and stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's an that, acid flashback. But are they both having the flash? He and Louise Fletcher? Oh, no, he discovers it because the Flash has connected him to some sort of... Don't ask me to explain this. This is nonsense. But it's this sort of, like, thing where, like, you're in communion with the world, yeah, it's man. Like a collective it's like, unconscious yeah. or something. I think it's in a new sphere or something like that. Yeah. This is actually one of... 
Because I mean himself and world mind or something yeah. in that sense. That's it, because it, it's based on this sort of theologian, this Jesuit priest who's actually mentioned the French Pierre priest. Pierre Thelin de Cardin. It's yeah. an interesting idea where he speculated his uh, his uh, ideas go back to his time as a Jesuit in the, I think, 1910s and early 20s, where he his idea was that human material development and human um, psychological and the development of the soul were could work in tandem. And that one could inform the other. Interesting. And I think the film... That that seems to be the grounding for the script. Such yeah. as it is. His work was deemed heretical. Because it was sort of like against sort of Christian thinking. The idea was that like the world mind would come together. And that would be the creation of God. Or the union of man with God. Would be when we bound ourselves together. And became one with the world and the universe. And stuff like that. And therefore had universal understanding that we associate with God. As I understand. It sounds like you're tripping again but, man. But again, this is it this sounds like he's been at Burning Man. <laughs> as opposed to Burning Woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where? Um, but oh. I mean it is worth noting that Merrin studied it. Was up at Woodstock. Um, ah. In the first exorcist. <laughs> Uh, but th- those pills you were taking, they weren't heart medication. Hmm. But even... even thing- Should have gone to Altamont. <laughs> <laughs> That's very much, yeah, in keeping with it. But even that sort of thing is an interesting hook for an Exorcist sequel, but the film does nothing with it of well, any value. Well, I think that's because the script just kept getting butchered. It was rewritten constantly throughout the production of the film. The original writer was uh, William Goodhart, who was a Broadway uh, stage uh, writer. And... He wrote this script based on uh, De Cardin's uh, ideas, uh, but then as the as the film went on, uh, Borman and Rathbo Pallenberg they rewrote large large sections of it, and it's clearly too many cooks. Uh, there's no definitive through line on That's any of the ideas or even even the plot how it's supposed to resolve itself. They're, it's just lost. I, I mean, I disagree. I, I think they have an idea of what the movie is about or what the whole story of the exorcist is about. They are expanding on and kind of adding um, um, layers and make, making things more clear. So so the, re- the reason that the... Um, that they... Like, they named a demon. They say that... And, and, and that, yes, that, that, that this demon goes um for um he goes to aruba jamaica girl he's gonna take you (laughs) what's going on to kokomo oh yes he gets there fast and then he takes control that's not the name of the the, one no the name of the they gave it the most adorable sounding name there's only so many times you can hear the name pazuzu (laughs) and not stymie a laugh yeah. It's, not it's, it's Pazuzu, Pazuzu and Kokomo nah, nah, as well. It's nah, nah. like an interesting. Pazuzu. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I'm sorry, they sound like kids' TV show characters. Come on, Pazuzu. Come on, Kokomo. It's like that. Remember that episode of The Muppet Show where they can't say phenomena without hearing. Well, yeah, but it, I, I suppose it's uh, from from the from the first movie where it's um, what is it? Howdy, howdy, it's Captain Howdy, Captain, Captain howdy. howdy. You respect exactly. his rank, thank you very much. Exactly, Captain Howdy. I beg your pardon. Um, he's now a commandant, and uh, uh, Howdy. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but yeah, they, they, no, I did think that they were the the. That, that they that they had done things with it that they did carry through on where they they they, they the whole idea of these demons come 
to um are drawn to source the, of great good are drawn to source of great good so that, that that it's a battle um that that that's taking place and that there are very special people throughout the world like kokomo or like um uh, reagan yeah um um yeah, that, that's an idea that I do find find interesting. And again, is this, this a movie the... about Ronald Reagan? <laughs> He's our only hope, yeah. and the force of evil will come to defeat him. Will be drawn. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's that's something I do is this find. It's a neocon movie. <laughs> well, really? it would have been just about to start a successful presidential run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what a different movie that would have been if it was Ronald Reagan. My friends, well, what a beautiful day for an exorcism. <laughs> It was it's, Ronald it's, Reagan it's, in, in The it's Morning in Georgetown. It wasn't Gregory um, Peck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, and I do think there's some interest. And again, I think that's an interesting thing that Borman's doing in relation to the first film. Because the first film has this line that's drawn between good and bad and evil in the world and stuff. And the idea that, you know, evil is trying to corrupt good and you need to protect good. Whereas the but heretic it seems, seems more, to get... It seems like in the first movie, it, there's something frightening about it because it's kind of um it's almost uh random yeah and well it's just uh, everywhere it's it's uh, you know yeah yeah the the ultra boy with the eyes yeah 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 yeah. the the mother who has the psychiatric disorder it's arbitrary that that it's um, it happened to be reagan yeah yeah, yeah. whereas now you've got like a chosen one narrative building around and stuff like that but i don't think that's even fleshed out very well The, the idea that reagan is one of these special forces for good why? Just because she ha- from the Father Levant School of Gifted Youth in Winchester, New York. It's, really, no. There are moments where it's autism. For all we know, yeah. that might be because in a single of his, conversation. Yeah. yeah, but also that might also be because of Pazuzu's influence as much as yeah. anything else. This, also, this I can't believe I she, said Pazuzu again. As in common with Gilbert Gottfried, she she cures autistic children and 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 helps them to speak again. While also being massively profane. This may be in an episode that won't come out until next year. Yeah, <laughs> that's our New Year's episode. Yeah, yeah, but I've but teased you've it. You set it up now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the like you have this whole mythology where it's like, remember how Marin prophesied that new men would arise to purge evil? They may already be amongst us. Kokomo could be one of him, one of them. I saw him in a vision. I saw his power over evil. And that sounds like a Patrick Stewart monologue from the start of an X-Men movie as the camera is like moving through a CGI it is, spine. Though. It's yeah. very explicit. Like yeah. the, the, when if we say like, oh, the movie doesn't really kind of um, uh, do anything or flesh anything out or, 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 or develop any ideas. It, it really does. It lots of ideas. It just yeah. doesn't know what to do. Exactly. Them. I mean, the, the ideas are there, but where do they go? Beyond it, trying I, to move I think this part, limp now. Part of the problem is that that Lynn Lynn uh, and I'm not blaming Linda Blair, but she, she she's not she because she's she she's very good in the first movie. But the second one but, gives her nothing to do. I she's less she's, good in this. She is yeah, not good. Frank, yeah. yeah, no, she's I'm not, I'm. She's not great. Yeah, no. she's yeah. she's she's not good. Some and of her line readings. Are she's just too chirpy. You know. I was possessed. But I'm fine yeah. now. <laughs> it's just casual. Just well, drop that into conversation. We, it might be a more compelling sort of a narrative if we felt like we got a bit more from uh, her. F- uh, from her. I mean, yeah. the, like, the, the loss of the mother, I think, is so important there because it does that thing that crappy sequels often yeah. do. They, can't get the they couldn't get the actor. They're like, oh, well, they called earlier. Yeah, uh, they're just off screen. But There's they the don't even have a token sort of, you know, like your mother was asking for you or anything. She's Re- suddenly with this minor character. So I didn't even realize it was the same actress. I presume 
time she'd been recast, but Sharon, actually it's the same actress it? with, but with the hairstyle from um, uh, the Hills of What's Because of the Hills of Ice, the Sound of Music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very different. <laughs> what's going on in my the head? The Hills music. are alive. Yeah, so, yeah. But she's living with Sharon in this. Uh, sorry, I want to talk about their penthouse because I was yeah. slightly Where obsessed with every that? scene in their penthouse where it's all mirrors and like shiny. Well, her mother's a famous actor. She's got a dove coot on the roof. And also, can I just say from a health and safety perspective, that roof was incredibly unsafe. They have a tiny little railing, a, a clear Persberg's railing, but really big gaps at the side. And Linda keeps going and like gazing into the distance because, you know, she's been yeah. called. Um, and you're just looking at it going, how would this, you know, I paid, they've paid a lot of money for this penthouse. They don't even have basic security around the, the, the doves. But you, you know that the... <laughs> this is the 17th. Like, yeah, we can, we can have the doves or, doves or we can have safety railing around it. Pick one. Um, but it, it, what's interesting about that is that's probably the scariest scene in the movie. It's the only scene in the film where my heart kind of got, like, skipped a beat, so to speak. Your heart was grabbed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll talk about those in a moment. They groped like, your heart. They groped my heart. But the, the moment where Linda Blair is standing on the edge of the building, because that was famously shot, they didn't have a safety harness. That was real. Oh, that was real. real. That was entirely real. They dangled her off the edge of a building. I think it was the 20th century Fox offices. Actually, it was Warner's. They, well, that's why they got to shoot there, because they own the building. Yeah. So she that shot of her feet looking down, those are her feet. That's a, that shot of her dangling over the edge. That's Linda Blair, which is crazy. Yeah, she was this close to becoming a splatter on Fifth which Avenue. Which is insane. Absolutely. So they continue the actual real-world child endangerment yeah. thing from the original. Yeah. Hey, they're consistent in one sense, at least. Because <laughs> that's one of the problems with it. And I wonder if this is a result of Borman wanting to tone down what he saw as his problems with the exorcist. But the heretic isn't scary at all. Not at all. Well, no. what... what, what, um, what what is the movie about kind of for, for like we got like a bit from Phil that it's a, it's a Hollywood cash in. Yeah. What it is, it, do you, do you get more of a kind of a sense of what, what this movie is about or maybe trying to be about unsuccessfully? I mean, if you're looking at the heart of it, you might say that a film like this might try to be something about trauma, the aftermath of trauma, rebuilding a new life um, and how trauma potentially makes you stronger, which can be handled Trouble, a bit dodgily yeah, at times um, but it's so incoherent and so all over the shop and and as I, you know it gives a lot of, of of space to Marin but it I don't think it even mentions Karas once in it yeah. so yeah so you've got a lot of the interesting things even about this the Catholic church and the trope of the heroic priest yeah. here he's just slightly creepy in his in a lot of his interactions with yeah. her and you're going in this day and age, I think it's a I think a lot of their interactions in 2019 read a little bit differently yes, than they did in 1977 where I'll let this teenage girl go off in a taxi with this slightly sweaty priest who keeps you know shouting at her um uh, when they're riding the train jump on together. top of her at the <laughs> yeah. first when, opportunity when they're riding the train and she's rooting through his pocket and like Pazuzu who has been I love Pazuzu I just love saying Pazuzu it's a fun word to say but Pazuzu who has been quiet up until that point you know when the ticket inspector comes along he turns he says she's mine stay away and the ticket inspector's like that's a yeah, yeah, priest. Like, he's cool with yeah, that yeah, you know? priest and a young girl on a train that that, that figures if that you tracks. weren't a priest I'd ask some questions <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, 1977. Yeah, the um, more innocent time. Oh, uh, the 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 plane flight in this is just one of the worst. Um, like it, 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 when they're oh, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's parallel. You've got the train yeah. journey and the plane journey, and yeah. there's a plane and a train book going to Washington. And there's so an that, automobile. That's about 20 minutes of the film. It's just them getting to bloody Georgetown. I'm, but the turbulence is oh Christ, it's badly done. Yeah, that's one. It's, it's like something from Airplane. Like, it's, it's, it might be the same set from Airplane. Like a bad TV, made for TV movie, you would expect better than that. It's just and dreadful. it's completely inessential as well because you then cut back to the airplane later on and they're like, well, we're just flying again, I guess. That's, uh, yeah, that's... I was, I was, uh, I was watching it and uh, um, my girlfriend was kind of half watching. She looks over and it's like, what's all that? the walls <laughs> like in the plane <laughs> like all this they're all, the they're all sort of like sitting on the plane and there's like all these kind of stains yeah. on the wall <laughs> couldn't so. afford a new set for this one but i mean even even like and there are things that it theoretically should build dread and momentum and fear so i'm thinking of like for example the bit where when louise fletcher is driving to washington and she keeps stumbling across these accidents oh yeah and stopping to help but yeah. like you can that, that works very well in horror and building dread. Think of stuff like The Shining has that as well. Where yeah, you know, where Pet Sammature of the Wife. Gets, yeah. You know, every, the, the trucks going by yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff works very well to build dread. But the way this film uses it is like Borman has never watched a horror movie in his life. It's like, well, when that happens, what do you do? You pull over, you stop, you get out and help. And then you cut to a couple of minutes later where they're continuing on their journey. That's it, right? That's what those scenes are for. Yeah, the, even the basic staging is just, I think you've hit the nail on yeah. it. It's just really poorly done at every level. Like, I'm also reminded of the, the scene where there's the fire in the hospital and Regan's done the hilariously <laughs> picture of, like, a priest on fire. And no one seems particularly like, oh, she's drawing creepy. You know, like, it's a horror film. Uh, shorthand yeah. 101 is, if your child's drawing creepy pictures of, you know, flames, you should maybe check it out. So of course then Bert, they don't hold meetings over there's flames. There's a fire. What is it downstairs in the parking garage of the, yeah. of the of the? And then there's a fire, and the, the children are all evacuated. And there's this really weird scene where it takes forever outside. They've been evacuated, and the is it Doctor Jean Tuscan is her name. The doc, yeah. Louise Fletcher is there yeah. chatting to him, and you've got all the little kids who were there, uh, obviously as real life kind Walking of extras, on rails and they're yeah. having a great time. They're, skate, <laughs> they're skateboarding. They're all in their they're all in their pajamas. Yeah. All of a sudden, beds appear in, in this weird office, even though they've never been there before. So it becomes like a hospital ward. And you yeah. wonder, what hospital is this? I, kind Who of, are these children? Part of me kind of loves Why are they that, so happy? that this is Borman taking the opposite approach of Friedkin. Friedkin's like, I'm going to take my child after. I'm going to drain like a pint of her blood and spray it all over the room. And Borman's like, I don't really don't want to inconvenience these kids during this traumatic fire thing. Can we get them some skateboards? Maybe yeah. some candy? <laughs> it's like, we're filming a scene where a car's broken down. There's been an accident. Um... But we really don't want to seem callous about it. Can she stop? Yeah, have any yo-yos? <laughs> yeah, just keep them <laughs> occupied. Can we bring yeah. like, you know. I... Just to show our age. Yeah. 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 Sammy Davis Jr. down, have him do a little set piece, keep him <laughs> occupied just in the background. It's a, a, a car crashes into the front of a townhouse on a Georgetown upper class street. Nobody steps Half an hour. It's a little, uh, <laughs> in fact, yeah. the entire house Not is a neighbor apart. opens the door to go, I wonder what has happened here. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody runs out onto the street and it's like, hello. And then you hear the sirens You're like oh now you're alright But now you you hear the sirens in the distance And the camera moves and everybody's there immediately Like part of me wonders If Borman was going for something hyper stylized With the film Like because a lot of it does look like sets And like a lot of even like the scenes in Africa With the corn (laughs) looked like they were shot The dances Speaking of of Africa When Lamont comes back from Africa He's wearing this African shirt (laughs) 
what was that? The show is doing more acting than like, Burton. Remember, he was in Africa the last scene when he bought this shirt, and now he's wearing that. Part of me feels I'm surprised. It's because he hasn't had a chance to do any laundry. Yeah. So it's he's like he's just, just wearing it fresh. Had to buy one in the yeah. Got some stuff. I love the idea that there's a scene where he's flying back and his flight's been delayed, so he has to go to the shop and like has to try on these various kind of African shirts. It's like which one is me? But mm, let me see. I'll pick out this one. Ooh, trippy. I'll have it. But like, there are moments where you can kind of imagine what Borman's going for is this kind of like stylized and deliberately in contrast to the Exodus because the Exodus used lots of real spaces, whereas this uses a lot of standing sets mm. and everything looks fake and everything looks stylized. They even the shots where they're they in... even had to recreate the Georgetown yes, sets because they wouldn't let them shoot there. And also, the house was built on a soundstage as well this time yeah. entirely. It had to be. <laughs> because yeah. they tear it apart and yeah. blow it up and everything and yeah. still not one neighbour looks out the window yeah. uh, oh they're just having probably another exorcism happening I love that like everybody in the world of the film apparently knows about the exorcism it's like because when they go when they get in the taxi and they're like why don't you take us to 8 Princeton Row the taxi driver's like you mean the exorcism house <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid his two priests did die there. Yeah, probably would have a little bit of local notoriety. Yeah, yeah, the the car. You have trouble renting it out. It's no wonder. It clearly hasn't been rented out since. Yeah. The only reference to Karis is uh, three, three, three people died. So like he's as important as as (laughs) as as, as their Burke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's funny that you say how the whole thing looks kind of hyper stylized and um, some of it looks fake, which it does because a lot of it's just sets, but. Um, I think that's kind of the nub of the big problem with Exorcist 2 is the fact that it has to be an Exorcist sequel. If it was just a movie called The Heretic and had nothing to do with the original film, it wouldn't necessarily have been better, but it would have been its own standalone thing. And I think it could have owned some of its bad... Zardos, nuttiness. Yeah. A bit that's, more like Zardoz. It's just burdened sense. with the necessity of being an Exorcist sequel. Uh, to be honest, when I watched it, I had to double check that it wasn't some kind of spec script that they just slapped the name Exorcist 2 onto. Because it does feel like mm. that, because it's so shoddily written. Yeah, well, it could have been something else entirely. Well, it feels almost like the reverse of that. It's like they it's... told John Borman you're making an Exorcist sequel. It's like, yeah, but i got a bunch of other stuff I want to do. Like, the, 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 big, the, big, the big problem... I love you, John Borman. You make him sound so megalomaniacal, but I've met John Borman. I've interviewed John Borman. He's the loveliest guy. He comes across quite well. He does. And, well, okay. Aside from the bit where he's sort of preaching of himself as some sort of misunderstood genius with the heretic too. Like, I gave one mm. quote early on, but there's another one... Uh, there's another quote from him as well where he says... The sin I committed was not giving the audience what they wanted in terms of horror. There's this wild beast out there, which is the audience. I created the arena and I just didn't throw enough Christians into it. And I'm like, John, just that's accept. That's just exceptionally harsh. arrogant. Yeah. I mean, I'll give him, I mean, Deliverance is a fantastic film. I give him a lot of credit for that in particular, but that just shows real contempt, particularly for a genre audience. You know, I like think so. you these have... people with their horror. I just, I yeah. find that so arrogant. You have expectations. You oh. have certain things you How have to How dare you want, to expect to watch a horror <laughs> film when you go and see a sequel to The Exorcist, you, <laughs> you pleb. You know, there's a real yeah. kind of like snobbery about that. Yeah, he's like, aiming for something I have a problem with that. I, 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 I think also, he thinks he's making elevated horror to use the terrible bus phrase of our times. Uh, there's also is, another is this a phrase. Elevated horror. Yeah. Uh, Have you not heard elevated? It horror? actually isn't no. at all. It's not used seriously by anyone who actually critiques horror. But they every year they bring out about ten articles on it. 
Every time there's a horror film that does well, they go, "Is horror finally mainstream?" You're like, "It's been mainstream since how many old people It's Alfred Hitchcock, not mainstream. Oh, that's psycho. Who talks about that anymore? And if we want to talk about John Borman and maybe being a little bit arrogant, I feel like Merlin. He wrote in a 1991 diary, an old wizard who finds himself living in a materialistic world where there is no place for magic. Come on. Oh. <laughs> you wrote it in a diary. Yeah, well, he, published, he also published the diary as well. Like, I mean, it's not writing it in your personal he diary. He has an agent. And again, like I said, there is part of me that wants to feel sorry for Borman because he does, has made some great films. Deliverance, as you say, Point Blank, um, Hope and Glory. Zardoz! <laughs> Zardoz, indeed. The Emerald uh, Forest, yeah. Yeah, but again, there are some... He actually has some real stinkers on the CV. The Tiger's Tale, as you mentioned. Yes. Uh, the, that and this film in particular will be the big stinkers. And uh, I, I think it's just too... He, he's being too... Um, he's trying too hard. And if he didn't want to make a horror film, I think you absolutely have the nail in the head right there. Why make a sequel yeah. to the nobody, Presumably nobody put a gun to his head. He <laughs> clearly has no real interest in the actual source material no i mean uh, you know go, go i have a respect from go and make your own film but like don't yeah and i think this could have been its own film if it just wasn't called exorcist 2 it wouldn't have been good but at least it would have been its own film yeah. and it would wouldn't have been a, the original would have been a lot more of that alpha wave stuff that they do <laughs> far too much in this movie <laughs> yeah. or as and i call when... it analog inception yeah, when, they are when, far too nonchalant about this new technology that they've come up with. They can basically read there's, minds. There's, 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 heads. there's like, a really great so conversation bad. after the fire where, where he like just and again this is this is Burton underplaying line delivery, which leads to hilarious results. Where he's no, like, truly miraculous. Truly. Don't you understand that I was face to face with evil in her? Your machine has proven that there's an ancient demon within her. Which is like this really weird sort of like deadpan kind of like nonchalant sort of like. And very similar to Linda Blair's I was possessed once. But I'm okay now. Um, which is like I feel yes, like you guys you are not making not as big a deal Linda of Linda Blair's performance. Like you're, what you should get is the sense of somebody who is avoidant. And actually yeah. has deep trauma that she's not processing kind of, yeah but, but that but th- that like in the performance there should be a sense that she's not fully hiding it yeah. with linda blair you get a sense of somebody that nothing is ever uh, there's no interiority no here. no well that that's it like because the, the film seems the film has this like again theoretically in writing has this push and pull with the question of how much reagan remembers versus how much she's admitting she remembers because she says early on that she doesn't remember any of it but then she has like there's references in dialogue and she seems to allude to some stuff that implies that maybe she does mm. which requires a performance that is ambiguous mm. linda well, blair's is just like a blank she, she sheet just she's too sunny yeah, far too sunny and she yeah. has to do a lot of dramatic heavy lifting in the finale in particular and it yeah. just it yeah. just doesn't work and the finale, all, I think all, yeah. all the stuff that we're kind of criticizing her for in this movie worked very well in in the first movie because that, she, was, she was an innocent the, child yeah, that kind of innocence and naivety that hasn't been broken by mm. yeah. Yeah. but it should but, have it be i mean that that line that you mentioned where she said i was possessed by a demon once but i'm fine now it should have been something more like i was possessed by a demon once but I'm fine now. So something to hint at the demon side. <laughs> <laughs> or the no, other that, that needed Mercedes McCambridge who didn't come back for these uh, reshots, restage scenes from the original. And it oh. really sticks out. Oh yeah, by the way, the um, the thing about the... Um, she agreed to do the sequel, uh, but she wouldn't wear the makeup. 
So they, well, yeah. they, they that's why they it's use a, a different actor, a double with the makeup on, and why at the climax when you get that weird stuff that Andrew alluded to earlier with the uh so Linda Blair's sexy now, right? Uh stuff is the is that you know, they couldn't put her back in makeup, so they have a double for the early part of the sequence, and then they just have her with green eyes, with sort of like the color corrected eyes. It's mm. weird. It's that entire finale is strange for two for so many reasons. Number one, the person who is in the uh, ex the uh Possessed Regan makeup looks remarkably like Dwight from The Office. Number two, um, why are there two all of a sudden two Regans? Oh, because what's this? Because, because it represents family. duology. So, like no, the no, idea is no, 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 no. it doesn't represent. There are literally two in the room. We know we see I'm not saying go it does and it well. and grope one I, of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There's a real like, and even good Regan sort of strips off as she comes into the house, which is very odd because you've been told that the exorcism room is cold. But like, there's a moment where she kind of strips off her jacket before she goes in, and the, the well, film you got to reveal that neckline. Well, the, the film, yeah, that's it. The film is very much like so. She's eighteen now, right? Which is really creepy. And the moment of Burton making out with her, but even the scenes which where he's attacking her, but the way in which it's shot is kind of weirdly, kind of like very male gazey, very creepy, and very uncomfortable. And but not in a way like the exorcist is uncomfortable with those things yeah. no it's just it's uncomfortable not, because it's just, because it's a way these sort of scenes are generally shot but you're watching it with Richard Burton and a woman who's 17 mm. um, and it's really really awkward but even things like the the, I mean I think thematically I get what it's going for where it, like the, the the original film is like well there's good and evil in the world evil must be fought good must but be how on earth but the sequel is like well good and evil exists and they're in harmony it's like a yin and yang thing but that strong doesn't explain how suddenly evil. two physical Reagans I think that if the movie were good, we'd forgive that. I but think it's not, so I can't. I think that's a fair point. There's bits like, as well. There, there are bits like I disagree that there that um, on the point that they don't do anything. But it, but there are things that they kind of bring up that they don't that they don't fully develop that they could have. Like the whole idea of kind of um, that uh, patients can have that psychiatry is kind of killing the soul because they like you identify um oneself uh, with your um pathology and to to kind of come in and fix that will 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 um, change you change you or take away um who you are or and 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 there is some um there are some lines that 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 reagan have that kind of um uh hint at that like that she has some some um she feels Attachment that herself yeah is um kind Tied of bound up extent, with, yeah. with 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 what what uh what this is and that at the, that the intervention might uh, remove what um makes her special to a yeah, certain extent because yeah, yeah. i mean that that's the thing with the child is it's a question of is that her or is that the is that related to her experience are they interwoven somehow or is it because she's one of these like ex people or whatever that have these special gifts of goodness and it's never really explained one way or the other it's never developed never one thing that struck me in sort of saying that is if if you had a a better film that was made in the aftermath of the the first film you would imagine there'd be a film where you'd have a lot of scenes where of her trying to sort of live a normal life and you don't really get that she's introduced to us in this very artificial setting she lives in a penthouse the one scene in which we see her interact with kids her own age, it's either it's either the kids who are uh, her in the, the the sort of the the unit that the doctor runs, or we have the re- the weird Broadway interlude. Yes, <laughs> the, the, the sort of the like she has a seizure a seizure at this, but yeah. 
there's no there's no i think crucially as a character she's very poorly developed it's always all about the adults in the film yeah. around her i suppose and their conversations and she's just someone that they talk about or talk to but she's never actually but she's never also actually really about her as yeah. a character as mm. a but she's she's also like linda blair and the only person aside from like two weeks with Max von Sydow that we got from the original film. So you have to use her. You have to give her more space. Despite not having a character. Despite not having a character and despite like, because in the original, we talked about it last week, in the original Exorcist, Reagan is a kind of a tangential character to an extent. Like she's a proxy for this battle, but she's that here too. But she's also has to be given more space even though there's nothing to do with her. But in in the first movie, people um, care about uh Ray. And 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 her like her her mother is at her wits end trying yeah. to, 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 to 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 do something about they in in this you have kind of um Father Lamont coming in. He had no consideration for anyone. Because he he com- comes into the um um com- comes into the he Oh, by the way, the the sorry, the, like are there, no, actually, sorry, I'll talk about that later. But he he comes, he he goes in. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And um, he um goes in not to because Jean uh, is fibrillating and she's yeah. about to die. Doesn't not has is no in, like focus, no attention whatsoever goes into saving Jean. Like, this, can I just say the nurse in that scene? Instead of actually reading her pulse, she just puts her head kind of near her chest bone. And goes, yes. Oh, she's fibrillating. I'm thinking, how good is this woman's hearing? <laughs> You're a that's, nurse. That's the hearing aid that they were fixing Sorry. earlier. Should, yeah. Shouldn't the nurse be the one going in to save her? This priest who's been there one day and has just seen this technology used for the first time. Suddenly, I'll do it. Everyone's assumption is that he's this, going yeah. in to help Jean, but he's not. He's just like, I want to see this too. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like, he has no um, care for her um, uh, uh, as uh, as Reagan. In fact, at the end of the movie, they walk off together. Like, he's the, yeah. the kind of um, the master and she's his padwan and they're <laughs> off to Dagobah to... Yeah. to, it, it's, to it's like- it's like that sequence at the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine where, like, is it, like again, CGI DH Patrick Stewart shows up oh, to just that? abduct a bunch of kids and take them to his special yeah. school. To be fair, well, though, what, Dagobah does sound like a place where Pazuzu would live. What, like, what's eventually going to happen to Reagan is she's going to become like uh, Lamont or like Marin when they're, they're, they're uh, truly... Uh, broken kind of um, uh, now I'm imagining the Exo sequel that's like the last Jedi but with Reagan living Reagan on an island demon <laughs> yeah we're we're, we're, we're the um, the front line yeah. against all the evils in the world I would watch and all, that where where whereas kind of in the in the first movie there is there is there is this kind of um, real the, the the motive is to take this uh, demonic possession away from from this child who's been um yeah. um terrified and and uh, like it's very yeah, tangible the very is to return to normality exactly the sense yeah. that this child will get to have a normal and this movie happy compl- life it just pisses all over it completely yeah. rejects it can i just say too as well what it does to the character of sharon is just really bizarre because we haven't really mentioned her yes. but she seems like I think there's a way in which this film could have done something interesting with the absence of Alan Burstyn. If you'd had Regan go be resentful of the fact that her mother's off working on another film, yeah. a sense of abandonment. But her mother figure, Sharon, 
it's just there's like this bizarre twist uh, not even bizarre like just stupid lazy twist yeah. at the end where it's like oh uh, she's somehow working with Pazuzu and then she yeah. burns herself alive yeah. and then is her she final possessed by us her final what? scene she's there her, her I thought she was dead but no she's there being cradled by her burned body by by Dr. Tuscan and that's like that's the end of Sharon's story and you're, you still don't know what the deal well, was what, what actually happened there what was the story I mean that, that's interesting too because that. in the end of the first one when they're going off together Sharon's like nope I'm glad to have known this family but I won't be working for you anymore and you're like fair enough Sharon's <laughs> traumatized by this yeah. but she's just brought back here with no kind of acknowledgement of that and then because they could get the actor she's sort of yeah. bad but she isn't really yeah. and I, I still don't know what the point of her yeah, there's a it, it they, makes no the, difference to the, the film plot. doesn't know either it doesn't know what to do with her no more than uh, no more than Reagan what's this character's role well they were in the we original film well and yeah. suddenly she'll be bad yeah. well that's it I mean there's like I think that um, Bernice mentioned this earlier but there is that thing that sequels do where actors aren't available um, where they like they don't acknowledge the absence but they try to write around and they keep mentioning that character to make you think that they're going to walk through the door was there um, was like, there a character in uh, Happy Days who went upstairs and never and came never back. came back? Where she coming in as brother? No, no, but like that's grand because they just never mention that character right. again. That's fine. This is more like say, remember the Born Legacy with uh, oh, Jeremy yes. Renner, Terrible where they film. did yeah, but they didn't have uh, Matt Damon. But they keep mentioning Jason Bourne and they keep shooting scenes in and around places and times where Bourne was, but they can't bring him back and they don't have the rights to show him. So it's like, remember this character who you really liked? He's just around the corner, but we just can't show you. Or even say the ninth season of the X-Files after Duchovny left, where like the first shot, the first main character you see on that ninth season, you know, it isn't Gillian Anderson playing Scully. It isn't Mitch Pileggi playing, uh, you know, Skinner. It isn't even like the new actors, you know, uh, Robert Patrick or whatever. It's David Duchovny's stunt ass in the shower before he leaves because they couldn't get Duchovny to do it. And throughout the series, they keep going, oh, well, Mulder was just talking to me. Mulder just sent me an email. Mulder was calling. Mulder was on the train. He literally just... <laughs> the phone calls and it's just a picture Trump of Mulder's stunt ass. ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because like, even here you have things like where, where <laughs> Lamont goes to the house for the first time. It's like, you know, well, you know, uh, Mrs. McNeil uh, told me to give you whatever you need. She'd do anything for Father Merrin. She believes he saved Reagan's life. And it's just like, yeah, those two characters from that movie that you liked, they're still around. But also and her relationship was with Karis, not yeah, Merrin. Merrin yeah. was in her house for 10 minutes and he got chucked out. <laughs> he died, sorry, on the yeah. floor. He, it was Karis that yeah, she yeah, had the Jason Miller was with. the character. He, he made the sacrifice. Yeah. He took, he took on the demon and... Yeah. But again, that, that speaks oh. to... Sort of, yeah, Karis is weird. They couldn't yeah. get him back. And yes, he's in Exodus 3. Is, is, is he back? Is Jason is Miller back in the Nexus 3? It's been that long since I've seen it. Apparently the film was originally to involve the police officer character. The Nexus 2 was. But then the actor died shortly before they shot him. He looked out. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Um, but that's why the, the Nexus 3 actually brings the character back but recasts him as George C. Scott. George C. Scott, yeah. Uh, which is interesting as well. Again, this is a sense of a production that was very, very, very cursed from the outset. <laughs> oh, the um, irony. But not in a good way. Not in a good way. Oh, it was Kinderman. Yeah, Detective Kinderman was supposed to be back. It was Lee J. Cobb passed away shortly before they started shooting, which led to massive rewrites on the script as well at the last minute, which is... And there's a bit of that with with Sharon as well, where it feels like that part might have been written for Chris, but it's like, she's not... We couldn't get uh, Burston, so I guess we just... They give her Chris's hairstyle. Yeah, that's it exactly. So it's, from it's Chris, except not really. We yeah. also get a sense of Jean 
as the the the, the written as a as, man, by the way. As the, as but but she she's kind of like the um also um kind of standing in for the mother. Yeah, she here. doesn't look. She doesn't she, look she, similar to Ellen Burstyn. And either. she 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 won't let her her teenage daughter go to in sync. <laughs> oh, oh, get sorry. out! Get out! I, I, um, I talking about the performances. I um, if uh, if Richard Burton is being too overzealous, uh, Fletcher's on autopilot, absolute autopilot. She's dead she in the eyes. Just won an Oscar as well. Yeah, this is after one foot the cook. Yeah, yeah. She probably thought this was her big. You know, like wow, I'm going to be in a sequel to one of the biggest films made. A lot decade. of people. That's probably really why Burton excited. Then you you get get on set and you go, oh no. <laughs> I don't blame her. I'd be on the verge of tears the whole time. Has my agent yeah. sent back the contract yet? Can we shred it? Can we shred it now? Uh, well, Burton, Burton's been very candid about this. He needed alimony money. That's that's why he made yeah, it. Yeah, she'd do that to you, all right, wouldn't she? I love the shot of uh, him drinking the wine at like the Ethiopian mass. Which, and again, the Ethiopian mass is interesting because it's this kind of like cacophony of like well, it's it's lively, but it's also like this idea of world faith and the idea that you know faith is different in various places, and that you can you, you can express your religious belief in a way that doesn't conform to like expectations. In the first movie, we say Islam when he's in northern Iraq, but obviously the Catholic Church as well. Mm. Um, so it's this kind of weird like hybrid faith, which is interesting. But this where they hand um. Lamont the wine um, and Burton just goes for it it's like you can see that it's like shooting with real wine was a good choice can we do another take well, I don't he think was, that was my best he was Richard Burton after yes. all um, it, there's just so many moments like that where you can point to an individual's performance like that bit just before he discovers the fire where he's in the corridor with Louise Fletcher and he's like, <laughs> even sweatier than usual yeah and he just goes no we have to find it we may be too late we may be too late <laughs> And he's looking back and forth, like like watching it. He's watching a tennis match or something. He's just darting back and he's, he's flailing in no direction. Borman, give him something to do, for God's sake! Or is it at the moment at the end where I think it's after the house has fallen down and he <laughs> fallen down, fallen, fallen down. down, fallen down. Uh, which again, like. I'm a big fan of like this old style kind of like non-real sort of stylized production where like you build sets and tear them apart stuff like Poltergeist for example like the idea of building a set that looks like a house and tearing it apart in theory is generally generally works here it's god awful um, but like you have the moment you can see the styrofoam hitting the deck that's yeah. it exactly yeah um, but yeah where the building falls down around Reagan and like there's no sense of fear or panic um, despite the fact that the roof is literally caving in you're getting shots of the roof falling but you have these reaction shots of Linda Blair which is like yeah that's a thing that's happening um, that's- this is the house I grew up in this is where I, I had an exorcism performed on me big whoop um, or the <laughs> the wonderfully ill-judged sequence where, <laughs> so, uh, where Reagan sorry yeah I know the ill-judged sequence doesn't narrow it down but where Reagan uses and again this is Chekhov's skill um, which you've watched her dance for most of the movie. You've also seen the Africans banish the demon by doing these dances in the field, which mm. looks like they're trying to just fight the locusts off, but become like this sort of like. Yeah, I always thought they were well, no, it's creating it's like a sound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's because there, there's a little, there's a tube. Yeah, that they're yeah. But you have like this sort of whippet scene where you have this kind of like, and again, a lot of overlay in the film, and sometimes like. I don't think the overlay is bad, for example, in the sequences with the heart and the kind of crushing, even though it's very old fashioned, very 1960s sort of. It's old fashioned, but not a bit early on where I think in the first uh, mind sequencing thing where you see in the background Pazuzu, the statue suddenly appears and it's actually quite eerie. It's the one moment where I went, ooh, it's it's kind of reflected in the windows and maybe not describing it well, but Mm. yeah. 
And even the sequence where like they have Louise Fletcher's character and they have Meryn and they have the demon squeezing her heart. That's those creepy. Sequence, That's those effective. Work well enough. Again, they're very old fashioned for like yeah. in contrast to say the the you know, the original film's use of practical effects and stuff. This is like something from like nineteen sort of fifties. It's like, well, we've just discovered editing. Um but like you have this overlay that happens throughout where you have faces superimposed. Yeah. And it, it's really weird because like the fact that they didn't get Linda Blair to wear the makeup again and got somebody who Phil described, you know, has a slight resemblance to Dwight from The Office means that when they're doing the dissolve of like Reagan's face into Reagan's possessed face, just kind of draws attention to the fact that it's not Linda Blair under the makeup. But like you have the ridiculous sequence at the climax where she's fighting off the demon by like whipping it. And listeners can't see, but I'm waving my hand above my head in yes, the style is. of Linda Blair fighting off the Zuzu. But that's overlaid with slow motion footage of the villagers on the backlot set that is like generic African village. Um, it's just, it's really bizarre and you can kind of like see like what you think the film was doing which is like well she's a dancer so if only she could use dancing and the ability to connect with other human minds because we're all one mind after all yeah, to but... fight off a demon and it's like you chose to represent that with like you know overlaid footage of her like doing Cotton Eye Joe if she was to, if we had seen her doing that kind of dance sure but she's she a tap dancer <laughs> Yeah, what? and can I also say too, apropos of, of nothing to do with the actual supernatural, in the sequence where she's tap dancing, they wear really weird hats where they're like they're like top hats, but they're actually more like the structure of a top hat, but with yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's just a wire one. Yeah, hallucinating this. No, no, like no. I was no, watching no. it yeah, going, right. what is going on? With these <laughs> hats? It was just you're post flashing. What things. does this mean? That would be the the obvious explanation. But even the bit like after the house has collapsed. Where Burton turns to the camera and addresses. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like just astonished. Like he turns to the camera and like literally says, "Yeah, you know, I can't remember exactly what it is he says because it's very boring." But it's like, and now you know the story of the Exorcist, <laughs> um, and it, and then you get like a reaction cut of Louise Fletcher, and it's meant to be well, you know, oh the two of the, oh he's telling her that's what he's doing, but Burton has so like. Burton and Borman have like just phoned it in so much that's like, it's turn to the camera, say the line, cut, and we'll go to lunch. And even if he hadn't, it's just such a generic line anyway. You just, I have expected him to go, many people are possessed by demons every year. These are their stories. Bum, bum. <laughs> it's all, and now you know. <laughs> so that, there are little bits as well in this movie where... Let they, me tell you what they, the real exorcism is. The real right. exorcism is modern America. <laughs> Where did yeah? Where did, sorry, that was the end of Hustlers, ladies and gentlemen. The um, there were there were there were like shots in this movie, like sequences that played really funny because they were done badly. Like yeah. I found your your man when they're uh, climbing up to the rock church. Oh yeah. And and oh, when he falls, uh, kind of falls. Yeah. yeah. Looks, he was like boop boop, like <laughs> like he's in a pinball machine Ricochet. or something. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And I, I, I there's an arrow gorge, but oh, I know. I just burst, off all burst out laughing because yeah. of the way the way the way, way it was done. Yeah, and this is meant to be a moment of of great terror. And, yeah, yeah, like atmosphere and mood. Like because I like I like those use of like the use of set to stand again. This is like kind of dodgy because it's like you know exoticization and stuff like that. And this kind of like you know we talked a little bit about being uncomfortable with his portrayal of Africa as somewhere that is you know thank you Andrew only four hundred ninety three years behind you know where the continent actually is. But things like um, 
the, the, the way in which like the lead shot is clearly a soundstage and looks like something from, I don't know, like Flash Gordon or even like the Dark Crystal, you know, while, you know, maybe not the best way to shoot a movie about a white guy in Africa um, is at least visually kind of vaguely interesting. It yeah. was interesting. Yeah. How did they, they, like they when, whenever it's Africa, it looks like kind of, you know, um, um, kids or students had made these paper mache yeah, sort yeah, of sets yeah. yeah rocks like something Where, from Star Trek like when Kirk goes to Vulcan on Star Trek where you can tell like if you threw the rocks at each other the rocks would like bend yeah. um, that sort of thing so. yeah that's it um, and I, like, I, I like that aesthetic in general but it's a really bad fit for the film it, and but none of it seems uh, uh, it, it, give, it gives you I don't know I because I, um, it, it I don't think it does it intentionally, but it, it, if you were to give the movie credit, you would say none of that stuff feels real. Yeah, and that's what it's and, called and, by the dreamlike Yeah. Or, or Call me trip. by my dream name. Yeah. yeah or trippy, like post-flashing. Exactly. Like, like, so, I, I didn't think Call Me By Your Name had a horror sequel. There we are. <laughs> um, Call well, that, Me By yeah, My Dream Name. You haven't listened to Darren talk about <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> <laughs> but you... <laughs> You have this idea. I'm scared of features. I am after that. I actually haven't seen that yet. I've heard it's very good. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. It's good, it's good. Yeah. I think I, 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 I think it was a lot of our uh, I like guests, the Suspiria. Um, I, ooh, interesting. Yeah, I love the Suspiria. I like remake. a lot about it. I in terms of like dance and that, actually, in terms Indeed. of dance and horror done well. And, and arguably, yeah, that's it. And yeah. arguably does a much better job of tying interpretive dance to the state of modern society. Um, <laughs> which, who would have thought that would be a popular horror subgenre? Actually, set in the same year. It's a set, set in seventy-eight, or not nearly, but nearly the same year. Yeah, yeah is... that's true. Can we just talk about Suspiria instead? I would love <laughs> to discuss that remake. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, be better than this. Hi, oh, um, I mean the movie, Darren. I'm having a lot of fun. Here. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and again, I I do think there is something to that because again, I think that's something Borman does. Borman's drawn naturally to this idea. Of like, you know, sort of like hyper real, hyper stage sort of stuff where everything is just a little bit uncanny, a little yeah. bit off, a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit stylized. And I, will, and I think that like yeah. The Exorcist to the Heretic is applying that sensibility to The Exorcist, ignoring the fact that A, it's like what, what A, it doesn't fit. What worked so well about the first film was that low-key naturalism. The fact that like you went, we talked about last week, you go almost two hours without an exorcism actually happening. Uh, but even things like the fact that, you know, you can't use relocation, so everything becomes cardboard and cartoonish and exaggerated means that you lose any sense of, like, actual stakes. Like, And also it's just not scary anyway. That's it, exactly. I mean, it, it's a catastrophic mismatch of director and material on a par with Jan de Bont uh, deciding, for reasons best known to himself, <laughs> that he was the best guy to do uh, the, a remake of The Haunting, one oh. of the most cerebral, nuanced, atmospheric, uh, non bus chasey horror, and I love speed, yeah. but it's 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 a, a mismatch of material and director and the a misunderstanding of material on a par with that debacle from the late nineties. I don't suppose the haunting is on the list. No, no, it's not. I, I I could pitch that as being. On, I could imagine it being on the list. Uh, but what was I don't think it was too popular. Like it was mm. like it was a big budget film in the late like Wild well, Wild West. Like not, as far as ninety nine goes, the only bad movie that existed in nineteen ninety nine, according to IMDb. Was Baby Wild Geniuses. Wild. And Wild Wild West. No, Wild Wild West didn't make the bottom 100. Interesting. I'm shocked. <laughs> um, I remember seeing The Haunting Wicked, in Wicked the cinema Because it was the only horror film that was rated 12 at the time, so I could get in. Um, that says a lot. But coming back to this, because um, I guess we have to. Um, I was going to say one thing about the film that I will give it credit for. I like I like certain aspects of its look. It, yeah. they, like you said, these heightened dream states. Um, it's all very... There is something very uh, the, the very soft focus about a lot of the scenes in 
the States. But then you get to Africa and there's all this orange lit, almost like that, uh, the scenes in Las Vegas in Blade Runner 2049, just pure orange. Yeah. Mm. Um, corn that smoke as well, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Corn or maize that looks like it was built out of plastic because it probably it was. was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cynical? Never. Uh, of course it was. It, the whole thing, despite how well it's shot, uh, it, it can't say. a sun that's yeah. painted on the like the matte painting back wall yeah uh, one thing to note uh, William A. Fraker is the credited director of cinematography director of photography on this but uh, when I interviewed Borman he gave a lot of the credit for how the film looked for its restoration on the Blu-ray to uh, Jeffrey Unsworth ah. it's another legendary DOP but yeah and he's and not he's, credited he's, on it no? he's given a thank you credit in the film oh okay so and you're I wondering ne- if I haven't there was quite a... established the what the link is there did somebody do step some in, work maybe? for someone else step in well, sure. I mean there was a lot of apparently during the production there was a lot of stepping in as we yeah, discussed didn't uh, like, Tom Priestley take over the editing halfway yes through. after the guy quit the original editor quit John Eric. Uh, yeah because there's a moment in the in the therapy hive where um, <laughs> they, they where, where where all of a sudden um, uh, Reagan is in the room and midway through saying something where the editing has just kind of Dude, it, it 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 it's it's strange. People are talking, and then it, it's like um, Reagan comes comes in, kind of like where they it's it's as if they missed like the 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 part of her entering the room, yeah. and it's not done to kind of like for a scare. Like, yeah, it's like oh, she was there all along. No, it's yeah, just like no, well, we no, forgot no. to tell you. Yeah, we've there 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 was a thing there where she comes in, but yeah, it just seems like they shot. they've made a mistake. And yeah, we didn't they, get coverage. They, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even the edits that are more intentional, like the jump cuts, uh, they're just terrible. Like there's a scene where Merrin is exorcising uh, Kakumo and he just cu- jump cuts that devil right out of him. And suddenly his, his face is all scarred and he's clearly possessed. Cuts to a less scarred face. Suddenly Simba. cut to... Simba. Uh, <laughs> cut to clean face. He's like, Oh, there he is. It's like, Kakumo, you're well again. And Good exercise. With three cuts. And also now he's a doctor of locusts. Indeed. It's so an aspect of the film that fascinated me. That I <laughs> yeah. I know what our monster's about. Yeah. And it's like you were saying how the film has this unnecessary antagonism between science and religion for yeah. no other reason but than that's not, trendy. But not under the um, guise of uh, Kakumo. Because he's went from from being the good locust to the kind of doctor of locusts. Well, he still loves so, the locusts. That much at least yeah. is consistent. So there is. A, I mean, there everybody knows really the Ethiopian is a locust of locust research. Oh. So gosh. any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, does anyone have anything? Else so to yes. Say? Uh, is there anything that anybody else wants to say about <laughs> the access to the heretic? Anything we haven't discussed already? Anything that you'd like to take back? <laughs> <laughs> Since we mentioned, I, I just remember since we, mentioned, since we mentioned um, they didn't, they couldn't get Mercedes McCambry. But since you mentioned him, I couldn't. They, I, we only wish they could have got Gilbert Gottfried. Your mother cuts locks to sell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you told that joke, you could hear crickets. Oh, Sorry. thank you. I appreciate that. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> you're all swarming all over me about this one. Oh dear. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think my puns are amazing, or are they too corny? All right, so <laughs> uh, Bernice, is there anything else? I think I No, I think I think I've said all I have to say, and I, I now want to, like Regan, I want to move on from this episode. But my life, <laughs> never think about the extras too ever Forget again. Forget the trauma. Yeah, I just want to move on, and and you know, it's, yeah. 
All right, then. Uh, what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask uh, our guests to recommend something for listeners. It can be anything at all. Anything if you're listening to a podcast you're enjoying, if you watched a movie recently, film, TV show, whatever kind of catches your interest. Um, you know, it can be exorcist related. It can be non-exorcist related. It can be something to help you repress the trauma. So, Andrew, what would you recommend for listeners? I actually have something this time. And I couldn't... I, I, well, I, I, you I have only, about a week to come up with something. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only thought of it... Um, but I'm glad I didn't think of it when we were doing The Exorcist because it would have been entirely inappropriate. I want to recommend people don't watch Poultry Guys because it's oh, disgusting. Poultry Guys? Trauma. Trauma. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a genre of movie called Trauma, which is just in What's really... It's a studio. It's a, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just in really poor it's taste. where James Gunn started. Um, I, the spoiler, spoilers aren't spoilers if it happens in the first uh, 15 minutes of the movie, is it? To give an idea of... <laughs> I think the of, first act is generally your safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's... I, I believe it, it, it's it's about a um, a kind of a Kentucky fried chicken or some sort of a fried chicken uh, thing, but it's infected by some um, occult kind of um, uh, material. But I believe the, the because it was built on on a on an old... Um, Native uh, American burial yeah, ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The movie starts in a cemetery with with a thing of a, a um. It's also a, a a really poor taste comedy as well. Which uh, is where, very much a trauma sort of which thing. Which like is a trauma thing. And stuff like that. There, but there there is a finger comes up out of a grave and into a um a a, a character's ass, and they think it's their girlfriend doing this, and and they yeah yeah yeah. So it's it's a it's a horrible movie. Don't watch it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. <laughs> Very much in the spirit of the movie we just recommend, watched. Yeah, in in keeping with kind of like bottom one hundred movies, but it's at least in, uh, interesting, and and I think it meets some of the kind of dance macabre meets. sort of. Um, <laughs> oh dear! Sorry, that was a poultry pun. <laughs> Um, I I I think I think it should be uh, It's a poultry pun. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. I think um, some some of Stephen King's kind of criteria for oh for, revulsion for what, and terror yeah yeah I think it does meet some of those revulsion uh, primarily revulsion yeah 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 there's a lot of <laughs> in it <laughs> um, so yeah so Phil follow that I can't really can I um, it got me thinking about like so there's one genre particularly in, like in horror that's doomed to let you down it's religious horror because there aren't very many good ones The Exorcist is probably one of the few um, what other ones Wicker Man maybe something like that But it's that's not, about paganism arguably yeah. you know it fall more under the folk horror yeah. I suppose yeah, well I'm sure but, but then it is very much still a film about religion as yeah, well yeah so that's the, about the yeah, only connection sorry. Yeah. sat next to somebody who's written about all this kind of thing I really should have done my homework sorry I was being pedantic I no you're absolutely that. right it is you didn't um, hear my pitch either about knock 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 which I I, I feel like I undersold it <laughs> it's in, okay. in, in last week's episode it's okay but when I but if I'm thinking about things that are perhaps more closely related to this and perhaps match its uh, quality a bit more I would probably say uh, go with the Children of the Corn franchise mm. uh, in that you know there's lots of corn it's also Hi-oh. quite corny and uh, they're terrible. They're really, really terrible. The first of them is the best, and that's not saying much. And that's pretty ropey. Yeah. Yep. And Very. inexplicably atta- attracts like lots of B movie actors you recognize. I think Lance Henriksen pops up in a couple of them. Naomi Watson, one of them. Yeah, yeah. Linda Hamilton's the first one. Whew. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's uh, 
And uh, and yet there are how many of them? Five, six, at least. There's nothing. Huge actors in bad um, horror movies, as we've just yeah. seen it's with a big Richard field. Burton and. Uh, <laughs> it used to be Bastard. where you went when you when you aged out of like. You yeah, know, you weren't getting anything else. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. but it, it's also like where people old, start out. Old age male actors would play Nazis, and the women would play horrible hags. So starting off at like um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> Yeah, it, they just farm them out. Really, someone make him stop the power of Pazuzu. <laughs> Anything, just stop. Sorry, <laughs> don't summon Pazuzu. <laughs> Why not? He stone. It works for Richard Burton. Really? He was stone throughout the whole thing. <laughs> That's not where that started. Yeah. I, I, I love. I love. By the way, that yeah, we we come finish talking about the movie, but I love that he's like, this is a mild inconvenience to me. What will I do? I know. I, a man of God, convicted. You know, practice exorcist. Will ask Pazuzu for a small favor. Consistency. Well, well you know, when are you going to get another chance? He doesn't, yeah. He's got to strike all the air and salt. Everybody gets one, right? Um, but <laughs> you're looking around for a kakoma and you can't find it, and you're like, "Will I check Pazuzu?" Yeah. It's a little app on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Like> Pazuzu. <laughs> Bring some strength there. Yeah. Um, so, so, Bernice, would you recommend anything for listeners? Yeah, I am going to book the trend by recommending two things that are actually okay um <laughs> if, that's, if that's okay if that's all right um uh, i would recommend first of all i've mentioned it already if you want to see a sort of sequel to the exorcist that is quite good apart from the exorcist 3 the first series of the tv show the exorcist is surprisingly good um and uh, at least i was surprised and secondly if you want to see a recent film about kind of about possession and teenage girls and also about kind of loneliness and unhappiness in a spooky boarding school um that's actually it really it actually scared the life out of me and i'm scared by nothing there's a film i think it's still on netflix called it's called february but it's also known as the black coat's daughter by us yeah yeah, it's with directed by oz parkins who i think is going to be a real name to watch he's the son of anthony parkins and he's an incredibly good horror director and uh february is superb it's one of the best horror films i've seen in years and um I would really recommend it. It's a genuinely scary take on a lot of the stuff we've been talking about the last couple of weeks or however long this podcast has lasted. It's just seemed to last. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just feels like weeks. Uh, I, I was actually just going to recommend The Exorcist 3, actually, which is the only Exorcist sequel worth anybody's time. I haven't seen the Legion cut yet, but um, I remember The original cut, it's still pretty good on its own. It's Scott very atmospheric. remarkably good. And Dorothy. Brad Dorff. Brad Dorff's really oh, creepy. Oh, he's really good in it. And uh, it has one of the greatest jump scares in all of horror. Yeah. Yep. That one. <laughs> yeah. That one. Um, this oh, is just this. did a hand gesture that you know if you've seen the film. Yeah. That's, oh. yeah. yeah. It's so superbly done, that this sequence. It's 45 seconds of build-up for one big, massive farting uh, horn on the soundtrack. And then... Wow. Yeah. There was a gesture there that's too obscene for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I would recommend that because actually I remember Channel 4 what broadcast all of the Exorcist sequels, I think, again, at some point in early 2000s. And I remember watching The Exorcist 2 and being like, Richard Burton, how could this be bad? Uh, and being like, oh, oh, oh. Never um, seen Anthony and Cleopatra. <laughs> 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 yeah, but 
when I watched that when I was young enough to like not have a sense for like this is classy, so this is good, right? I'm just I'm not getting this. Yeah. That's that's the issue with that. He did a lot of classy. Like, didn't he do a Wagner uh, biopic, which seemed to be like an eight hours long or something? It and actually only ran an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, what's it called? The Ring Cycle, or yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so I recommend uh, Exorcist 3. There's a Blu-ray coming out, which will be the first time that the Legion cut is available in high definition as well, which I'm very excited to take a look at. Because um, I, despite now having a Blu-ray copy of Exorcist 2, I am never going to watch this movie again. Uh, but anyway. Oh, yeah, bring it with me to the second-hand shop. <laughs> and they can just see if they can wring a little more profit out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so join us next week, actually. We pushed back our anniversary special this year. So our anniversary special will be happening next week. With a bit of luck, hopefully we'll have a couple of guests around. We'll just sort of still chat about Julian calendar. <laughs> yeah, we're still we're using the the Julian calendar, uh, but we sort of like take. We've decided to be Ethiopian Coptics now. <laughs> we've changed church. Uh, uh, yeah, but like it, it's been an interesting year in terms of two fifty. There's a big purge back in August where we lost movies like Jaws, for example, Groundhog Day, Donnie Darko. And had a huge influx of other movies that were kind of going to be fun to talk about as well. So join us. It'll be a very relaxed podcast. If we weren't at the end, we'd have a minute's silence. But... <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, otherwise it's indistinguishable from the podcast just ending. Oh, no, if, yeah. If you, yeah. If you just want to take if a moment you after the autoplay, <laughs> yeah. take a um, moment after the. Yeah. yeah, and just relax. Um, and then also the week after that, actually, we'll have uh, Jer and Ethan back from Disconnected Talk, where we talk about Uwe Ball's um, House of the Dead. <laughs> which we're. Jesus. From bad to worse. <laughs> you might think that. <laughs> you might think that indeed. But I wonder, join us in Fortnite to discover whether we had a bowl with it. Oh. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Bye. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>